Hello and welcome to The Stockout, your show at FreightWaves about CPG companies, supply chains, and CPG companies, supply chains. I am your host, Mike Bowdendistel. I'm an analyst and market expert at FreightWaves, uh, follow the rail, intermodal industries, and trucking industries, and uh, recently have started uh, following the CPG industry as well, trying to connect the dots uh, between uh, the freight markets and uh, CPG companies. Today on the Stockout, um, have, I'm going to be going through a number of topics, including some of the recent results from some of the larger CPG companies that started reporting this week. This week, we heard from General Mills and McCormick reported earnings the last couple days. Um, I think both of those uh, results demonstrate that consumers are still shopping at, at grocery stores. They're not um, you know, ready to abandon their, their kitchens you know, just yet. Uh, in addition, I'll go through uh, some of the other uh, you know, topics with, um, that include some of the, the issues that smaller CPG companies are facing. There are some unique uh, issues that they're having with, with packaging that I thought were, were interesting. Um, and I'll also talk a little bit about what's happening in the world of uh, freight markets, which, um, as our CEO, Craig Fuller, pointed out this week, the, the worst may already be here in terms of how tight the markets are, how high the, the, the rates are. But at the same time, um, you know, they could be, you know, very tight uh, transportation markets uh, in the next uh, you know, few months and, and not necessarily anything that's going to uh, be on the horizon to, to, to loosen markets up. So I'll talk about that um, and, uh, you know, maybe talk a little bit about, um, you know, the Campbell Soup Company, which is uh, named one of our, supply, our shippers of choice um, in FreightWaves.com. So I'll talk about those things. But first, a word from our sponsor, Echo Global Logistics. Trust the experts at Echo Global Logistics for all your freight transportation and CPG shipping needs. Whether you are a Fortune 100 CPG company or a specialty food manufacturer, Echo has solutions to fit your needs with their dedicated team, as well as Echo Ship, a self-service shipping portal, allowing you to quote, book, ship, and track. Echo has you covered. Technology at your fingertips and experts by your side, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. To find out how Echo can simplify your transportation management, please visit www.echo.com forward slash CPG today. The first topic, um, I'll get right into it. Uh, General Mills, you know, they reported Wednesday morning. And so, you know, most of these CPG companies are going to report earnings like most companies do that are on sort of a calendar year. Would, would start reporting kind of mid-July into August. You know, General Mills, um, you know, is on a different, you know, calendar, you know, uh, year. So they reported Wednesday morning. And I think the main sort of thing that, that most, you know, analysts, investors are looking at um, are, and even other CPG companies that are looking at some of their peers is, is, is really, they're trying to plan for, you know, what's going to take place with uh, consumers getting out, um, you know, of the habit of, of eating all their meals at home, um, doing more, you know, consuming outside of the home. You know, General Mills was one of the companies that benefited a great deal from the consumption at home. About 70% of their revenue is from, uh, cons- you know, products that are consumed, um, you know, in the home. You think of their sort of, you know, biggest brands as being, you know, cereal related or, uh, you know, Betty Crocker, you know, brands. Um, but this company is able to beat consensus uh, by about six cents a share. Uh, shares were up a little bit yesterday. It looked like they were up a couple percent. Um, but overall, they said their costs are going to be higher by 7% over the next year because of a lot of the inflationary pressures that I've covered uh, on the um, on the stockout. You know, in the past, you know, these, these ingredients prices, which there's really, um, you know, no way to fully 
escape the higher ingredients prices, even though they do say that they're about 50 percent uh, hedge, but you know those hedges are you know, relatively short term in nature. You can only hedge for for, for for so long, and of course, you know some things as we know in freight, like freight rates, it's it's difficult or impossible to hedge against rising uh, you know freight costs. Uh, so those um, you know that seven percent inflation uh, equates to about eight hundred forty million dollar uh, headwind on cost, and so uh, question sort of becomes: uh, Can General Mills offset that in other ways? And and sort of the plan for them now is to offset more than half of that cost inflation through efficiency improvements and you know getting rid of a lot of the special costs that came with COVID. Um, you know, maybe some some costs, you know, cuts, those type of things. So that's going to, you know, hopefully offset, according to their plans, four percent out of the the seven percent, and then the 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 balance, um, you know, of, of that is is going to come from a lot of pricing. And and with CPG companies, it's not just pure list price. Sometimes it's you know adjusting the size of the you know what's in the package. Sometimes it's you know a little bit you know fewer promotions. Um, but I did read one analyst report today and, and you know, from uh, my former colleague at, at Stiefel, Chris Groey, who has followed the company for a long time, knows the space really well. And, you know, he was pretty positive on the company's ability to offset, um, you know, some of the remaining cost pressure that's not going to be covered with, you know, COVID related costs coming out with with price increases and, and thinks we can sort of make up most of the balance with a one and a half percent. Um, you know, increase in, in in pricing, which they should be able to do, given that prices are rising for pretty much everything. He's expecting more like a two percent uh, increase in, in in price. So, you know, even though he has modeled the um, margin pressure to, to, to be a little, bit, a little bit of margin pressure this this next upcoming fiscal year, says so in, in in balance it should be pretty it should be pretty muted, and a lot of that is due to timing you know, timing issues of, of when some of those mitigation measures um you know go go into place so i thought that was uh you know a good uh you know report um you know from him that was fairly you know optimistic and then when you look at some of these other you know statistics where they say comparable uh, sales down one to three percent so comparable sales would exclude the fact that they uh, purchased tyson's pet treat business and divested uh their um european uh you know yogurt business you know, a decline of one to three percent, I think, is better than a lot of analysts were expecting. You know, profit expected to be down to uh, zero to two percent this year. Um, you know, that's you know pretty remarkable considering just how much you know people in two, in twenty twenty went out to grocery stores, filled their pantries, filled their refrigerators. So I think all of those things were were, were pretty positive, and uh, that's why the stock was was up a little bit. You know, yesterday I think those were better than expectations. Um, another thing I thought was interesting was their comments on cereal, which is sort of what you th- the first thing that most people think of when they think of General Mills. And, uh, you know, cereal, um, you know, is, is flat roughly with with 2019 levels, maybe up, you know, 1%, I think, from, from 2019 levels. But what's what's different about, you know, cereal than a lot of other, you know, sort of breakfast foods is, is the way the company described it is that cereal is uh, basically... Uh, purchased the most during times when it's it's used as kind of a quick breakfast. You know, you eat your cereal, get out the door, um, and they actually ex- expect that to, to to increase when more students go back to school uh, in the fall. Um, whereas now people have a little bit more time to prepare, you know, something like eggs or French toast uh, that, that the parents can provide for for the for the kids. So I thought that was was interesting. So um, you know, solid results from from General Mills, and I thought a pretty solid outlook. Uh, considering, um, you know, how, how difficult the, the year ago comps were. 
Uh, moving on to McCormick. So McCormick, uh, you know, the, of course, the big spice company, you know, they've struggled a little bit with stockouts where, um, you know, they had to ramp up manufacturing of spices for the consumer segment because so many more people were, um, you know, cooking at home. That, uh, that demand surge, I think, was a little difficult uh, to, to, to meet. You know, they reported, um, you know, on the surface uh, results, um, and I just haven't gone fully through it yet because they just, just came out as, as we record this, but, you know, th their uh, um, sales growth, they're saying expected to rise, you know, eight to, to 10%. They actually increased their guidance, both for profit and margins and, and EPS. And, you know, the stock market reaction was basically pretty muted. It didn't do much. I did see this, the CEO on CNBC say, saying that he was at a loss uh, for the market's reaction, which is, you know, I, I can relate to, to that. All my years as a stock analyst, sometimes you think you, you, you know, stocks should move in the direction you're, you, you think it should move and, and, and this, the market, you know, doesn't, doesn't agree. So, you know, that could, could have been that, you know, th there was a, a optimism already, you know, built into expectations. Or uh, the other thing, if, if, if there was what, uh, maybe a nitpick was that their gross margin declined 190 basis points. And, and maybe there is some mix uh, uh, pressure there where their consumer products are higher margin than their food service products. And the consumer uh, products are the ones that are likely to decline and the, the food service uh, in sales and the food service products are likely to increase. So you have the higher margin business likely to decline, the um, lower margin business likely to increase. So you can have you know, a, a negative you know, mix uh, impact there. Um, and we'll see what some of these other companies uh, report when they come in the next, you know, couple of a uh, couple few weeks. Um, but it, I think in general, uh, you know, the CPG companies do seem to be performing better than most companies, most people have, have expected. And, you know, the, the, the more consumers are are cooking from home versus pre-pandemic levels. And I think most uh, CPG companies are not expecting behavior to fully go back to pre-pandemic levels with uh, all the hybrid work schedules and, and people continuing to work remotely and, and, and work from home. Uh, topic number two, uh, the Chinese hogs uh, population is back. And I think this is pretty uh, important. Um, and I think it has uh, um, implications not just for, for pork products here domestically, but also agriculture products. And so basically the news is that China's hog population is now back to 98% of the level that it was at before the African swine fever hit in 2018, which decimated the China hog population. They had to cull about 40% of the Chinese hogs to prevent further spread. So it was a huge disaster. And this population is being rebuilt well ahead of schedule. Um, you know, initially they were saying it's going to be 2023, so about two years ahead of, of, of schedule. And, you know, sort of in the, in the interim, the Chinese have been importing lots of, of pork, uh, you know, from North America, uh, you know, the pork is a disproportionately large portion of the Chinese diet versus other types of meats, if you compare it to other countries. Um, and so uh, they've had to import a lot of, of, uh, of, of pork, but they've also had to import a tremendous amount of agriculture products, you know, things like corn and soybeans, which are grown in, you know, throughout the you know, central U.S. And, and, and central Canada. So you know, that created a huge, uh, you know, uh, demand and actually uh, it has been enough to to really increase the prices of those commodities. Now, those commodities have also uh, been you know, impacted by droughts in, in certain areas like in South America. And now we have all this this, this drought in in the Western you know, U.S. Um, but still, you know, the corn prices, corn futures and soybean futures, they're down 
20 and corn's down 25% from its high on May 7th, and soybeans are down about 20% from, from, from their high. So I think that's good news for um, CPG companies that rely on those same ingredients um, you know, for, for, for their products. Um, and so with, with those being off the highs, I think that's maybe one uh, vote in the camp of this inflation, at least to an extent. You know, could be you know somewhat temporary. I think you know that the, the, I think that's positive. You know, positive news for 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 for, for CPG companies. Um, you know, you're also seeing some other commodities that are not related to CPG. You know, start to to crack a little bit. I mean, I think the other big one was uh, lumber prices. I don't think you know lumber is terribly related to to CPG companies, but you know, you do have seen those you know decline quite a lot from. You know they're high, and uh, you know I think in 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 May it was the um, or it was June that was the the forty percent drop. So it was the biggest you know one month drop. Of course, you know biggest one month drop from a very you know high level. But it does seem to suggest that um, you know when you have you know some of the acute inflationary pressures for certain inputs in our economy, that you know the, to the extent that the market can can rebalance those things by you know, increasing plantings like we've seen with agriculture or increasing the throughput of the sawmills like we saw with with lumber that, um, you know, I'm starting to think that maybe there are at least, you know, some components of the inflation, you know, maybe maybe temporary. I mean, you're also seeing a lot of the states, um, you know, wind down their extended, uh, you know, benefits programs, which it should help, you know, get people back to work. Of course, the CPG companies have struggled to get, um, you know, employees to, to show up to work. So, um, I thought all of those things were, were positive news from a CPG uh, company perspective. Uh, this next topic here uh, was something I wrote about for the newsletter that went out Tuesday morning, which is uh, the, some of the smaller CPG companies are having uh, you know, issues with packaging that I think are worse than what some of the larger companies are dealing with. And I talk about uh, one company called Isla, which is a startup company that does skincare. And the reason um, you know, I bring that up is you know what what they described with their with their packaging i thought um you know was was maybe emblematic of what a lot of the smaller cpg companies are going through and what they what they had to do was uh, acquire you know packaging ahead of launching certain products and so they've basically had to you know guess about you know how many you know you know packaging they're going to need exactly the size of the packaging you know b- before seeing you know what the sales figures are going to be, I mean, the packaging has actually increased the lead time of a lot of their products. We they would typically have a twenty to twenty-four time, you know, week lead time. It's increased that by about six to eight weeks in terms of getting it through the through the supply chain. Um, and so it, it does sort of set up this, um, you know, greater risk where not only do they have to sort of stockpile the the, the packaging, um, but they also you know face risk that the demand is not what they're expecting it to be. And I think that's a little bit difficult to to judge, I mean, in the last year, skincare was a really hot, um, you know, product category as consumers tried to eliminate the mask acne or the maskne as 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 it's called. So, skincare uh, was it was a segment that actually you know showed, posted a lot of, of growth in the past year, and and I think with a startup, just in general, it's hard to predict how quickly their their sales are gonna are gonna grow. Um, so. I, I think it's interesting that the, that the the smaller CPG companies I think are having a little bit harder time securing packaging. It's similar to what we've seen earlier with um, the aluminum can shortage, where uh, the big um, you know uh, brewers, the AB InBevs of the world, were able to secure enough 
aluminum cans because they're the most important you know customer of a company like Ball, uh, which 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 you know, produces aluminum cans. But a lot of the smaller microbrewers really struggled to secure you know aluminum cans. So I think uh, at least the smaller you know CPG companies are still facing those uh, those, those issues with packaging. You know, topic number four here, uh, technological breakthroughs could enhance recyclability of non-food grade plastics. I also thought this was an interesting thing that I wrote about for the, the newsletter earlier this week. There's a French biochemistry uh, company called Carbios, which has developed a superior uh, recycling technique where they essentially break down the plastic to the molecular level. And in doing so, it enables the recycled plastic to... Um, you have the same integrity as the initial product. So you don't have that degradation that you would typically see. And um, you know, maybe more importantly, it makes it so the non-food grade plastics, such as um, you know, polyester from clothing or carpet, that those could actually be um, recycled into food grade plastic bottles, which is a pretty big deal uh, for com- countries that don't have you know, very high compliance with um, with recycling. And I think the U.S. is probably, you know, one of those countries. And, you know, it could cause, you know, plastic bottles to regain some share or take share from uh, aluminum cans. I mean, last several years, more beverages have gone into aluminum cans than um, than, than plastic, particularly for the new products uh, that, that uh, the, the CPG companies have, have sort of favored aluminum cans because they could, you know, have the advertising, you know, on the, on the can and, um, they're a little bit easier to store, and but but one of the reasons certainly was was just the recycling compliance is much higher f- uh, for aluminum cans, you know, for 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 whatever reason, and aluminum cans can be recycled, um, you know, faster in terms of turning around, uh, you know, new 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 recycled products. So um, you know, it, it's interesting to see if if that will take hold. I think one thing that gives it credibility was that you know Pepsi and Nestle Waters and some of these other big CPG companies you know, have, uh, have, have backed this. So um, it's definitely something that you know, sort of caught my attention. I think it, it should catch the attention of people in the industry. You know, topic number five is a little bit of an update on the freight markets. Um, one thing uh, that caught my attention from, the, uh, from FreightWaves.com was a quote from Craig Fuller on the current freight market and outlook. And so I'll, I'll, I'll read this to you. He says, for, for inflationary concerns related to freight, the worst is already here. Everyone is frantically trying to add capacity, means means carriers are frantically trying to add capacity. While shippers won't see rate relief anytime soon, we are unlikely to see similar freight inflation beyond today's levels. So that's kind of a a good news and a bad news story from the CPG company's perspective. You know, the good news is it's not going to get any worse, probably. Um, But at the same time, uh, the freight rates probably aren't going to fall off a cliff uh, either. And just to to add some some detail there, I mean, the, the carriers... You know, normally when you get into a situation like this, the carriers add lots of capacity, but there's some constraints there currently. You know, one of those constraints is getting the the trucks uh, because of the semiconductor shortage. So a lot of those uh, those truck orders are are pushed way out. And you know, even you know, a couple of months ago, the orders that were coming in were for 2022 delivery. So it's hard to get equipment, and of course, it's hard to get drivers. It's always hard to get drivers. It's especially hard to get drivers when there's a shortage of blue collar, um, you know, labor across the board and uh, the construction market is is still red hot um, and uh, there's just a lot of better opportunities for uh, you know employees that you know can get home every night so I think it's hard to, to recruit 
you know, drivers, especially in a, even in the past year, it was hard to get people to even go to the driver, you know, training schools. And um, so, so I think there's some, some constraints there on capacity that keep, or that are keeping rates, you know, elevated. And then, you know, for demand, um, you know, I thought Flexport put it really well the other day when they said that so many products have been ordered by consumers that have not been delivered. It's like a debt of uh, products that still, you know, have to get you know, paid. So that keeps the demand, you know, high uh, for, you know, a, an extended period of time. So those, so those factors are keeping, you know, rates, you know, high, um, but at the same time, you know, what at this point would cause the, the, the market to take another step up is, is, is a little hard to, you know, I- imagine, um, you know, stock market's already at a very high level. People are already getting raises. There's probably, if anything, there's going to be, you know, winding down of some of the, of, of, of some of the benefits. Um, and you think that maybe some of the, the imports that would normally come in, you know, this fall have already, you know, come in uh, earlier. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a little hard to say, well, what's going to be this sort of this next, you know, step up. If anything, you could have a step down in freight demand just as, you know, people, you know, spend a little bit more money on travel. Um, you know, when I've been to the airport, it's been hard to find a, a parking space at Dallas Love Field. Um, so, and, and people spend more money on services, you are going to see a reallocation, I think, you know, back to uh, some of the sectors of the economy that just drive a lot less uh, freight. Uh, topic six, the last thing I have for you, uh, this will be quick. Uh, Campbell Soup Company, a shipper of choice profile is up on FreightWaves.com. This was written up by um, our uh, journalist, uh, Clarissa Hawes, who uh, follows the truck and brokerage industries very closely. Um, but you know, Campbell Soup Soup Company, what, what shipper of choice means is essentially you know, a company that works to, with dri- uh, carriers to fight you know, driver detention, provides you know, good facilities for drivers when they come into their facilities, they help them remove inefficiencies from their supply chain. So all those things are really important. And, and one thing that I've you know, uh, taken away from my time covering transportation is that it's not all about rates. It's not all about which shipper pays the most. It's also about ones that you know, fit into carriers networks you know, and you know, unload the trucks quickly so the trucks can keep moving. Uh, that are just you know one place, places where drivers want to want to go to. So all those things are are, are really Im- important, and uh, I'll continue you know, highlighting those as they come up. Uh, you know, uh, Clarissa also highlighted that Campbell's you know is dealing with inflationary pressures. She highlights uh, steel, aluminum, glass, agriculture products, proteins, and other commodities. So a lot of that um, also is you know packaging related. So even some of the the big companies, you know, some of the some of the biggest companies. You know, they're they're maybe able to secure the packaging better than I talked about earlier with 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 Isla Beauty, but at the same time, you know, they are facing you know rising costs for 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 those uh, for those items. Um, so with that, uh, that's what I have for you today, and I hope everyone has a great Fourth of July uh, you know weekend, and uh, we'll be back on next Friday to talk about uh, whatever um, you know arises in the world of CPG companies uh, and their supply chains. Thank you.